everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 131, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. Your hosts, as always, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, guys. What's going on? Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. What's up, gentlemen? Oh, what's going on, guys? What is up? And Chaz, uh, all-around content creator focusing on the financial aspect. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Uh, On the docket, the first uh, SCG Open with Hour of Devastation is in the books, so we're going to talk about uh, the new standard with Hour of Devastation. Again, uh, Aetherworks Marvel is gone, so we got to see a pretty fresh take on standard. So we're going to give our thoughts. Uh, That will lead us into... Um, a pretty odd uh, announcement on a Sunday. Uh, so for everyone that hasn't seen it by now, uh, it is on the daily update for Monday. Uh, they are changing the FNM program, um, so you can go read more particulars, but we're going to get all into that. And then we're going to wrap things up with some fish mail. So uh, jumping right in, what did, you, did either of you watch uh, the SCG Open? And just general thoughts on what you think of Standard so far. Richard. So I did not get to watch the SCG Open, so I get to read the metagame page on Monday morning <laughs> to see Nicol Bolas God Pharaoh in uh, the first place deck for color control. And it looks pretty diverse. Now, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Usually the first couple of weeks uh, of Standard, you know, it looks wide open, looks like anything can go, but then the Pro Tour comes and... We get our metagame, and then it's a totally different story. Uh, but for now, things look interesting. Uh, Nickel Bolas face card is uh, is in one of the decks, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Absolutely, yeah. It does look fun. Um, Seth, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think Standard looks great. I think I got to see some of the SCG event. I didn't get to see as much as I would have liked because I had some other stuff going on too, but I got to watch some on Saturday, a little bit on Sunday. I caught the finals and a little bit earlier in the day, so it looked good. I mean, the format is diverse. We have a lot of the old decks still hanging around, uh, some really old decks coming back, like the Emerge decks, plus we get some new stuff. We see like Mono Red Aggro being fairly legitimate. We have Control kind of not only winning the tournament but there's a couple other control decks too thanks to hour of devastation we see ramp making a bit of a comeback thanks to hour of promise so like richard said it's i don't know when week one is bad it's not a good idea to overreact to it and say standard is horrible but when week one is great it's probably not a good idea to overreact react and say standard is amazing so (laughs) i'm encouraged but i think we gotta wait and see what the next few weeks and especially the pro tour look like yeah, I think that last part there is is kind of we don't want to we don't want to get too excited and then you know but at the same time it, it is encouraging the the fact that the card pool um, you know people are utilizing these cards anytime I see mono red like no matter what uh, it's a it's a good thing because that is a site that we haven't seen in in a while um, at least um, very kind of a, an aggressive strategy like this just turning creatures sideways and as an aggressive player. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that. Uh, same as Richard, it's nice to see Nicole Bolas, uh, God Pharaoh, being utilized in the, in the four-color control list by Michael Hamilton. And then all the way down, I mean, we're seeing some, some great archetypes come back, like the Emerge list utilizing um, Champion of Wits uh, and other cards. And we're kind of actually seeing a switch. I mean, we're seeing Mardu vehicles, but also 
it's kind of shifting into Esper a little bit too because um, I saw a few of these Esper lists, um, more notably by uh, Donovan Madison. Mad Mad I don't know if I'm probably saying that wrong, but um, it, it seemed really sweet. It was kind of like a very tempo-y aggro list with um, all your, you know, you know, Thraben Inspectors and Toolcraft Exemplars and Heart of Kirans, and then you get to use, like, uh, Spell Quellers and stuff like that. So, seemed really awesome. And um, I hope it at least stays this way until the Pro Tour, and then hopefully through the Pro Tour it just continues on. But um, I have um, a good outlook for this standard. Yeah, interesting stat to throw out there. So, from the top 64 decks, the most played card is a Braid. That's the uh, Lightning Strike for a Creature slash Destroying Artifact. Uh, it's actually played more than Fatal Push. Uh, it's 53% of decks. And also Chandra's creeping up there, uh, played in 35% of decks. So Chandra, Torch of Defiance, uh, just, just slightly under Gideon in terms of number of copies played, but actually played in more decks than Gideon. That is interesting. One thing I was wondering about, and I don't know if you guys have any opinions on this, but what do you think about Hour of Devastation cards in specific? Like, from watching the coverage, yes, there was one Nicole Bolas in the deck that won. <laughs> yes, Hour of Devastation is really important to control. Uh, Champion of Wits, Chaz mentioned, in the Merge decks, but and also Hour of Promise in the Ramp decks, but... What did you think of the impact of Hour of Devastation on the first tournament it was legal? Are you happy with it? Was it enough? Uh, not enough? Uh, it's like barely present. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one deck, or sorry, one card in a, a few decks, but it is a small set, and I don't know what more you would expect, because it's not like there's a new mechanic or something to build, uh, you know, a deck around. So it's kind of just like, you know, you find some solid cards, and you slot them into decks. So I think it's doing what it's supposed to do for a, a small set, but it's not, I don't think it's going to fundamentally shake up the metagame due to its new mechanics or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think just the mere fact that the card exists, um, it doesn't need to be utilized, but just the, the mere fact that it exists kind of is already dictating, um, at least like in this mono aggro list I look at, you, you know, you're trying, you're kind of leaning heavier on the curve you're trying to use Hazaret, uh four copies or three copies Wait, what, of what card are you talking about hour of devastation oh the actual card hour of devastation <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah 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 is oh is that what <laughs> hey, well fine. no i, I yeah, have well, no I idea what seth was asking because i forgot there was a card called hour of devastation <laughs> I, I, was I mean actually... i thought it was something along those lines because i didn't i didn't actually see a ton of them uh especially i didn't even i don't even think it was played in the four color control list I was um, actually wondering about the the more the set hour of devastation and the impact that it had, but the card hour of devastation is an interesting topic too. Yeah, well, I mean, here we go. Hour of devastation <laughs> in hour of devastation uh, is having an impact. Like bad naming. Why would you yes. do this, <laughs> um, so, But yeah, I, I think it 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 is having an impact. It and this is it's so funny because Seth and I and. To a lesser extent, I mean, I was talking to you. Uh, I, I mean, I watched you guys talk about the modern cards, and it was just like really hard to come together with some of these cards. And um, you know, you are seeing the abrade. You are seeing um, some some utilization of like uh, Earthshaker Kenra and Champion of Wits that are like revitalizing a lot of archetypes. So I think on the cert like. Already, it's having an impact, and then you have some cards that, while they haven't been used, 
are making their presence known because it's kind of dictating some of the deck building as well. Uh, you kind of, again, you see this like this red list utilizing a lot of these five drops and these kind of heavier curve just because you want to have either indestructible with Hazaret, you want haste with the reality smashers and glory bringer. Uh, you don't want to get blown out by certain cards. I think overall I'm okay with the impact for a small set, and I think we really underestimated Earthshaker Kenra. I think one of the things that we had said was like, oh, six mana is so much. How much are you actually going to be able to get it back from your graveyard? And from the games I saw on camera, it actually happened not infrequently. Like, yeah, sometimes you get a great draw and just kill your opponent, but there were definitely some games where it got gummed up, and having the ability to get back Urshaker Kenro was really good. The other thing worth pointing out is, kind of surprisingly, the deserts are hugely important. There are so many deserts showing up in these decks. I think just the mono red deck has nine deserts in it, and <laughs> yep. that's true of a lot of archetypes are playing some number of the desert lands, especially things with Eldrazi, it's very helpful. But just having the monocolored cycling lands or these free roll deserts, the desert pain lands that give you a little bit of extra reach, you can get in a couple of damage, or the black one that lets you kill a little creature, it seems like those were kind of underrated from a constructive perspective as well. Yeah, it, it, I think it was either in our prep uh, for the video, Seth, or in the video, or on a podcast, we we mentioned that there was a non-zero chance some of these deserts would kind of revitalize and, and kind of make this push for all these Eldrazi's again, and you're absolutely right. I mean, nine deserts in the mono red list, but I mean, when you think about it, Sunscourt Desert's a free damage, then you have uh, Ramunap Ruins, I, I believe I'm saying that right, hopefully, um, and it, it just adds that reach that time and time again i said on the podcast red did not have that they just can't close out these games without some direct damage and here we are all this all, that's just in your land base so that's actually really awesome that uh so early on that th people are recognizing that in deck building i mean that's, that's just great that's actually if you have those two deserts that's five damage uh between just those two cards in your lands which is a quarter of your opponent's life total so the, the deserts are fairly powerful if you can actually utilize them which since you're playing mono red then uh you're, you're good to go because you got uh red mana and then color just having a colorless land your utility lands doesn't really hurt your mana base there aren't too many double red cards in that deck yeah certainly uh looking great for mono red to to make a comeback here i, I am so happy because it is something that I, I really do think the format needs a viable, a aggressive list like this. I mean, we had Zombies. Um, zombies, I, I don't think in the open... Oh, okay, so 7th, Adam Bowman. Uh, and then again, I think in the open. Um, so Zombies is still around. So you have a couple good aggressive lists, and I think that's great. Uh, because, you know, you kind of want all these archetypes represented. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. We've kind of talked about this before recently, how it seems like we might have finally gotten over the hump, and it took a few months and a lot of bannings, but we're finally there, and the week one of Hour of Devastation doesn't really change my hope for the format, and I'm actually 
pretty excited. This is the first time in a while. Like, we're two weeks away now, less than two weeks from a Pro Tour. And this is the first time in a while that I haven't been like, oh, well, it's going to be, you know, Bant Company. Uh, it's going to be Etherworks Marvel. We already know what's going to happen. <laughs> but maybe we'll get lucky and see a new deck. I actually feel like, oh, this is... This might be an interesting pro tour. Unfortunately, it's in the dead middle of the night in my time zone, so I'm going to be miserable, yep. but <laughs> I'm actually excited to see what decks come out of it, and it hasn't been like that for a few pro tours. Wait, which oh. country is hosting the pro tour? Uh, Japan. It literally uh. starts at like 9 p.m. my time. Oh, my it's God. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> so brutal. Hey, we, but we, yeah. had some, we had a few good ones for yes. our time zone, so now it's the uh, the rest of the world's <laughs> chance to not have to stay up in the middle of the uh, night to uh, to find out what the top decks of standard are. My goodness. Uh, but yeah, and I think the great thing is is trying to build this momentum and having this standard kind of even just go right through the summer into Ixalan. And I think it's just really important to kind of to look at the Pro Tour, hopefully that even makes things more fresh, and then we just continue right on to Ixalan because, again, not trying to talk about it, uh, you know, too much. Uh, at least the card the, from a card standpoint, it looks like it's just going to create create yet another great, interesting shift uh, in standard. So uh, I'm really excited. Uh, Seth, Richard, one more question before we kind of move on. Um, if you had to pick, uh, what do you feel is an archetype that can kind of just keep this momentum going right through and even during the Pro Tour? Is there is there a strong list you feel like, you know, that's already, I can see that, you know, propping up in like two weeks? Oh, man. I'll take the easy way out. There'll be a control deck. <laughs> and I'm going to say it'll be Jeskai. I think blue-red are the strongest control colors today, and uh, white just gives you a little extra. So someone's going to show up with a control deck. <laughs> Yeah, I think I agree about the control deck. I, I'm i going to go with Ramp. I think that that's a deck that people maybe haven't figured out yet. And one thing we've consistently seen ever since the Eldrazi kind of came into standard is one thing pros tend to do is figure out how to cast Eldrazi as fast as possible. <laughs> we saw that with Emrakul, we, it, with the uh, Delirium decks, we saw it with Aetherworks Marvel. So I'm going to go with Green Red or some sort of ramp deck looking to cast like turn 5 Ulamogs and win that way. <laughs> Are you telling Fair me you'll enough. be happy with the results if uh, they break <laughs> the ramp deck and then turns out you can turn 4 Ulamog people still? <laughs> I would, I'm not hoping for it, but it, was, it wasn't what I was hoping for, right? It was a prediction. I hope that doesn't happen. Also, I think the Monument deck is sweet, and I could see people playing that, because that's a fun deck to play. It has a lot of grindy card advantage, so I could see that being a deck at the Pro Tour as well. Yeah, I do like that Monument list. Um, I'm going to just... It's a split decision, mostly just because it's cool. And I don't know why. It's like every time <laughs> we just see Elder Deep Fiend like on the on like the cusp looking in. It's just such a powerful card. And I think Champion of Wits is that like key piece that can bring this archetype back together. Uh, it's just it looked really strong and, and I think um, it can do some some awesome stuff. Uh, but I have to pull for the mono red list just because I have to choose like just an all out aggressive deck uh, and hopefully it continues on. Uh, even during the Pro Tour, because it looks awesome. I think it can continue to be uh, built upon and, and streamlined a little bit more. I don't know. I'm all for the Mono Red hype, but it's playing 24 lands. It has five drops. <laughs> it's like almost big red. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Red in any form, and at this point, uh, a mono red list is, is All right, fine. Break out those Arabian Nights mountains. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. We only need 15 this time. You have like nine, <laughs> nine <laughs> deserts. Yes. Uh, uh, moving on. So there was an announcement uh, about <laughs> FNM promos and how they're changing. Uh, Seth, do you want to take us through the actual announcement? Uh, okay. So. The long, uh, the big takeaway was FNM promos are going away. So instead of having FNM promos, we're going to have two-sided tokens, and I believe there's a new one each month. And they're also changing, I guess, FNM level organized play or store level organized play. So it's going to roughly line up with set releases now. Uh, so we're going to have like tournaments that go through, and then we're going to have a store championship at the end of a set's life, which is replacing game day, I believe, that's going to be no longer. So instead, we're going to have store championships at the end of a set before a new set releases. First one, New Year's Eve. So uh, keep <laughs> mark that on your calendars if you don't have any other plans. Uh, oh but the big God. thing that people people kind of freaked out about was the end of FNM promos. Also, so, uh, some new sweet basics in the standard showdown pack, some foil basics, which are cool. But the big thing was FNM promos. So what's your thoughts? FNM promos gone. Instead, double-sided foil tokens. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would they do this? Everyone's like, yeah, we need more playable FNM promos. We need more exciting cards as opposed to, you know, random fodder. And they decided to give us double-sided tokens. Like... I don't know what they're doing. Like, was this cutting into the single sales at, at your LGS? Like, I, I'm so confused. They should be throwing, like, Path to Exiles in there and not giving me, you know, a clue token. So I, I have no idea what they're doing. And I just I just don't know why they're doing this. And it just really kills all incentive to go to FNM. Right, if you're not gonna win something sweet, you can just stay at home and play with your friends. Like, why do you need to go to the store, right? So, I don't, I don't see why this works. They they should be giving us textless lightning bolts, right? But instead, now they're giving us weird tokens. So I, I'm confused. You know that they know, you know that they knew they would catch some flack for this when they release this announcement on a Sunday. So that's yeah, what's first that and timing? foremost. Like, oh, no one's gonna notice this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just slip this on a Sunday, and no one will notice. <laughs> I don't like that, and I think you actually. I mean, all joking aside, and I think you brought that up. You brought that upset that here we are. Like, they're having such great transparency, and they're having like such a great uh, kind of run on this, and then they do this weird stuff like this. I just I don't understand. That you can just renounce it, and you know you're going to catch flag for it because, again, listen, I, I we we kind of I get it, you know, Wizards doesn't always do bad, and I normally side with Wizards, uh, kind of more recently because you know Magic players do really have, you know, unrealistic unrealistic expectations. They just do, and I, I I'm kind of against all this, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too thing because you can just never win from Wizards perspective, and I get that. But this is this is a weak move. I, I just don't understand. If you're gonna replace it with something better, f- great. But this change, you're just at parity or negative. So why not just make it? It just all comes down to why not just make better FNM promos? And it's just not about the value. You can go and have a great time and and socialize with people and get a good promo. I mean, 
Pokemon seems to do it. I see these pro these promos getting handed out. I don't know if they're good cards, but they seem cool. Why can't they just do... If other card games are doing this in a digital age where people can just stay at home and play Hearthstone or Shadowverse and all these games, you want to entice people to come out, go to their LGS, take the drive, go have a you know good time, and get a decent... And just get a non... Better than decent card. Like, have a good card as your FNM promo. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't know what they're thinking. It's It just doesn't make any sense. It's especially disappointing because it felt like they finally figured it out when we got Fatal Push and Ether Hub and even, like, Unlicensed Disintegration. Like, we were finally getting good promos again, and then they just end the whole program, and... I don't know. Their argument, they released another article today, part of the Daily Update, where they talked a little bit more about it, and it said, our data shows, basically, paraphrasing, our data shows that the promo doesn't actually drive attendance, and they used one specific example, I think January of this year versus July of this year, (laughs) and that the promos didn't make any difference with attendance, and that just seems so weird to me, because... I know just from our conversations and from hearing other people talk on social media and stuff, it seems like when there's a path to exile or a fatal push, people actually do make an effort. Like, it's at very least a tiebreaker. If you're thinking, oh, should I go out to the movies tonight or go to FNM? If you know you can win a sweet, you know, FNM promo, you're more likely to choose FNM. So I don't really buy it. I can't imagine that tokens are really a draw. I think the allure of tokens will wear off quickly like i guess they're kind of cool when you get them as a bonus at a pre-release but to have that be the only fnm promos for the entire year seems kind of like a stretch so i don't know it's just confusing i don't understand why they would think this was a good idea all right tinfoil hat theory tinfoil hat theory so when there's a fatal push or path to exile Everyone brings out their tier one deck because, you know, you got to win at all costs to get this promo. So by removing the actual prize, now people will play against the odds at FNM and they'll play whatever jank they want, thus diversifying the metagame. Well, then you could just change it to, you know, top eight or whatever. People, everyone, you just get a promo. (laughs) Just participation prize now, just show up at the door and get a fiddle (laughs) push. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, again, it's I, I like I like the tiebreaker. Um, I, I love I love that. Uh, it's the tiebreaker. It's just the I'm gonna go anyway, and it's just the gravy. Like, or I, you know, maybe I wanted to do something else, but you know what? It's a great promo every month, so it's always I lean towards just going to Magic. You know, play Magic at the store. It's always just the just the tip the scales a little bit to get people to go out and and play the game and enjoy. And I, I just don't get it. Like you, the argument is, the you know, folks are using this argument like, oh well, it should just all about be going and having a good time. And, and normally, again, I, I'm I'm all about, you know, against like you know you can have you can have everything because people obviously it's just not realistic, but. You can go and have a good time and get a good promo. I just don't understand. Like, that just seems so easy to me. And for a player that's been playing a long time, this is now the second player-driven reward program that they've axed. I get it. Like the Mailing stuff, you know, sending cards in the mail and having these textless things, I get it. All right, whatever. You, you don't want to do that anymore. But FNM promos have been around for a very, very long time. And people, it's kind of like expected now. How do you just get rid of that years later 
I mean, I remember FNM promo. You know, FNM promos go so far back. So how long till they walk back this change? <laughs> uh, they would. I, I don't know because they're changing it. I mean, th- to in their view, they're still having something worthwhile to go out and like get something. They are adding the the lands additionally in the shadow pack or the showdown packs, and then that token. Here's my biggest problem with this: there is a large portion of the population that does not care at all about tokens right they use like dice they use like scrap pieces of paper whatever draft leftovers they found to represent tokens and to those players these tokens are actually meaningless whereas if you get a fatal push even if you know you don't play standard or modern or whatever it has high value you can sell it and then get something else Whereas I, I don't see these tokens maintaining high value. A lot of people don't care about tokens whatsoever. A lot of people have their own custom tokens, like MDG Goldfish tokens, go buy some at the store. But <laughs> like, it's just so weird, right? Like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like every, every magic player likes magic cards, right? Because you play cards. Whereas these tokens, not everyone uses. So why would you kind of force this as the new promo? Yeah, I mean, tokens to me are the thing that I have huge boxes of from buying collections that I can't get rid of and are cluttering (laughs) up my closet. That's my association with tokens. I did a very informal poll on my Twitter and just asked what people preferred, and there's definitely some token supporters. It's the minority. I think like 18% were in favor of tokens, and some people were very adamant that they really like this change, but... I would say the vast majority, 80-ish percent, would rather be getting a real magic card than token. So, not scientific, just to pull on my Twitter, but I think it's, I think that's the general feeling of the community. Like, the card does, everyone can use those, but being someone who cares about tokens is kind of a very specific type of magic player. Like, not everyone cares about tokens, so it's just a weird thing to make promos of. They could take the Masterpiece series that they're getting rid of in packs and imagine if they made those FNM promos. How many people would go out to stores if they had uh, you know masterpiece thoughtsies as the fnm promo you could do so many cool things with this program so getting rid of it or turning it into tokens which feels like getting rid of it to me just seems like such a horrible choice again if you were going to replace it with something better i understand but this is just a parody or negative oh sorry one one question did they say what the tokens will be like are they going to be tied to the the standard set or is it just any tokens they are all standard sets yeah, they're, they're standard, all standard tokens oh so the same tokens you can get in your packs basically, uh, basically. yeah just foiled the other sided i think a lot and, of people wait, were disappointed about art? that too if it's the same ones that are foiled double-sided it's gonna be even worse than ever there, there better be new art on it uh, I don't know if it said new art or not, actually. I'm assuming there's alternate art. If it's the same art, oh man. <laughs> I- I'm sure a non-zero amount of players, um, while, you know, I do care about tokens, and it's fine. I mean, I'm j- it is what it is. I mean, it- the change is going to happen regardless, so I could just enjoy what I'm getting for free anyway. But again, that's just kind of the secondary to going and playing. It's just like a bonus. But... I think there's a non-zero, and it's probably a large group of players, uh, people can comment, I care about tokens until I actually need them, and then I don't have them. Like, it's always like, oh man, like, I want to make sure when I have a deck, in my deck box, I have like 10 tokens of the stuff I need, and then, like, it's like the first thing you forget. 
or you're at a draft and no one actually wait the tokens they everyone takes them out and then you need a token for something you don't even have the token yeah, so but it's the, like, but then I just walk up to my LGS counter and buy it for ten cents if I really care. Yeah, <laughs> like and most it's of the time you don't care, receive. right? Most of the time you like, just throw like some dice down and be like, here, right? Or you just flip a card over and say, here's my token, right? Yeah, and it's even weirder because a reasonable percentage of people that do care about tokens from what i was reading on reddit they were like well i buy like you said the goldfish tokens or i have these custom art tokens that i really like from so and so so even the people that do want tokens don't necessarily view like wizards official tokens as the tokens they want it's like a way they can express themselves with cards that aren't officially from wizards so they're like even though i like tokens i don't especially care about the official tokens this is my chance to like get these crazy things that i can't do with real magic cards because you got to play legit cards from wizards in your deck but your tokens can be some crazy art from whoever you want so i think that's the the other problem is even if you like tokens you might not really care about these I really hate I really hate being super negative and I just I can't be on board with this. I'm sorry. I just I just don't think it's a very good change at all. And it's just you know it's and it's a long time standing program that you know again I thought that they would just keep going. They got rid of the, the player rewards thing that's fine, but this is just I think a little too much. I don't think it's a very good move. I, I now know that whenever there's a Sunday night announcement <laughs> it's probably bad. Yes, bad things are happening, but they don't have like a pre-announcement for announcement week, uh, hyping me up for this change. It's, <laughs> it's probably going to be bad. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the timing's definitely weird. That's not their normal printing schedule, and they said like something about Japan, like the season starting in Japan, so it had to get published. But even if that was your concern, you could have published it last Friday or Thursday. Like there's. You didn't yeah. have to publish it the hour before it started in Japan. <laughs> so I I don't know. The whole thing was very odd all around. Yeah, I heard the announcement too when I I got I think I was out at the time, came back. I saw like one of your tweets Seth and uh, you know about some announcement. I'm like, "Oh, this cannot be." Good. <laughs> 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 oh, what did they do this time? <laughs> um let, let's let's answer some fish mail cuz that always gets us in a better mood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you have your questions, send them to you at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question from Zach Wheels. What if Wizards printed one color legends with a keyword like partner that lets non-partner legends be partnered? Oh, no. No. Please. Ooh. Hmm. So just I, like you can have another commander in addition to this, yeah. basically, mechanic. Uh oh. I think it's probably dangerous and could break things, Very but dangerous. I kind of want to. I kind of want to see it. I think it could be interesting, but it's probably a horrible idea and would be busted. If there was only some way to force something, I don't like the fact that it just basically means any card can be a commander now, and you know the legend that you use to enable this, you just don't play that color, right? So it just basically lets you play any card as a commander, which I don't like. But I, I do like the idea of making certain older cards be partnerable. Like, just on Jural for something like that, right? So, I, I do like that idea, but I don't know if you can just do it like this, because that just lets you play any card as your commander. Like the brothers Yamazaki? And, like, Kamigawa? Yeah, that one That one should definitely be partnered. Yeah. Like, just the, the actual mechanic on that suggests that they should be partnered. I'd be on board with that. Like, just... Maybe the commander community could just do that. Just, like, mm. announce that certain 
certain partner certain cards are partnered for the sake of commander now yeah at the same time partner the partner ability is really really overpowered <laughs> it's really good <laughs> all right next question uh logan loves racing do you think wizards will ever print a five color commander super friends pre-con oh just like a just its own supplemental product yeah, certainly or as yeah. part of commander 2019 or whatever just mm. a super friends pre-con it's definitely <sighs> something that could ha- could happen. It's a non-zero chance, I think. Oh, I think it's zero. There's no way they oh, would pack really? like their best cards, basically, because you have to put like ten, twenty planeswalkers, thirty planeswalkers <sighs> in there. They there, I think that. there's, I think there's enough planeswalker fodder to get it. <laughs> Tibolt one, me <laughs> to <Tibble> two, <laughs> Tibolt one, like Dovin Bond, like you know, the, the Arlen Cord, you know, the, like the sub, like fight out. I think maybe there's a better chance of doing like. Do you remember the modern event deck or something like that? Like a standalone product mm. that was sold for like a lot more than what a commander deck sold for. I think it was like $70, $80. So maybe there's a way you can make a more expensive like one-off pre-con for it. But I don't think you can stuff 20 Planeswalkers in a $35 commander Wait, deck. What if, I don't what if think they put that 20 fly. Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers in there? <laughs> oh, oh, that could work. Hey, <laughs> but now we're onto something. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to play that for consistency. Come on. I, I, I still <laughs> yeah. think what's what's that new Nissa Genesis, <laughs> Genesis whatever Mage. Genesis it's, Mage. I'm still I, I'm holding out. I think it's decent. It's, it's just decent. like every Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker, and every individual <laughs> tutor. So you have to search for each specific one, one at a time. Oh man. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm down with that. All right. Next question from Kia Juverser. What about foil? What about foil? The card foil being printed in modern. Is it too good? If not, what can make a mono blue control deck good in modern? What does foil do? Foils from Prophecy. Yes. It's two and. Too generic and too blue. Yes. Something. It, I know it's just counter target spell, and then there's like a condition. Oh. Is it like return an island? No, it return. Uh, or is it like force of will? Oh. What is it? It's it's sort of like force of will. It's it, everything you said was right, but the alternate casting cost is discard an island and another card from oh. your hand, and you can play it for free. I think that could work. I think it's that close. Could work. I mean, Force of Will already is pretty painful, and this is even more painful. You had a three for one yourself, I guess. You had to discard two cards. So I think that might be about the right level for Force of Will, or the modern version of Force of Will. But yeah, would probably be but you pretty don't similar. even need Force of Will in modern. There's nothing like so fast that you can't just leave up one or two mana to counter. Don't you have. We have. We, I think everyone forgets about this card. Don't we have that card from Betrayers? Disrupting is it Betrayers? Shoal or yeah, Disrupting Shoal. Isn't that like very similar if you really needed something like that? The problem with that one is you exile a blue card, but it only counters something with that card's converted mana cost. Yeah, if it was I, like that cost or less, but it's actually really hard to counter something with it. Mm, yeah. I think th- the other thing is, like Richard said, uh, like a year or two ago, I would be more concerned with this, but since they printed Fatal Push and banned Gitaxian Probe, we actually see a lot less of the super fast, like, in fact, the all in Deathrite Shaman decks that were killing on turn two. So I don't know if a Force of Will is as necessary now as it was a couple of years ago when you were regularly dying on turn two or turn three to something degenerate. That doesn't really happen as much as it used to. 
All right. Uh, next question from Juan Garcia 202. Which of the defeat cycle will see the most play in standard? Probably right now, Gideon. Just to kill Gideon? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what is it? Game five life? Yeah, I think Gideon. Yeah. I think Gideon's probably the most powerful one. Yeah. Maybe the red one? I think the- like Chandra's on the uptick? Yeah, yeah, it really. I think really you just gotta actually on... use the second clause of killing a planeswalker. So whatever planeswalker is most prevalent in standard, <laughs> like that's the defeat to use. Yeah. Although, isn't Gideon's defeat still like exile a creature? White creature. White creature. Yeah. White creature. Yeah. Attacking yeah. your blocking creature. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think they're all. I think they're all playable. Actually, it just depends on the meta. But I think that they will all, except maybe the green one see you play at some point in their standard life. That's what you think. The Genesis the Genesis Mage. <laughs> you play your sixth drop and I play this is defeat. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Uh next question from PJ Osor. I'm sure this has been answered before, but why is Scoops the fish called Scoops? Because that's his name. There is no real reason. That's just a cool name that someone suggested and uh perhaps he scoops prematurely a lot. I don't know. <laughs> takes after seth <laughs> quilted train uh, what does the cast think of the idea of no art basics much like energy cards in pokemon sure i think it could happen I mean, in the next uh unglued set no oh. art basics oh yeah. a- as a joke because you know everyone wants like the full art lands and they're just like no here's some no art lands but <laughs> they'd be losing so much like opportunity so i don't know that they would actually do that but it's just too weird. I think people always love full arts. I don't think they would take this risk of printing no art lands. Well, they just got rid of F&M promos, so you never know. <laughs> You're like, hey, we don't have to commission artists for the art. These cards get significantly cheaper. And most people don't even know what the art looks like, so we might as well just replace it with, like, a magic logo. <laughs> uh, next question. Tovery Colgate. Do you think Moto gets shortcuts to paper magic in the future? Bomberman combo with Lodestone Bobble loses to time. Oh, man. I don't know enough about programming. I know they're heading in that direction and have made strides to making it less clicks to combo off, but I don't know enough about the back end of Moto to know how far they can go. I don't know if it's possible to just be like, I have this loop, I want to do it 100 times, click a button, I did it a hundred times. I was going to say there's like zero chance to do this. <laughs> of like things to fix with Moto. <laughs> like I think this is pretty low down on the list in their priorities. And it's such like a weird edge case. Because they try to avoid infinite combos and whatnot in standard. Which is what they focus on. So I doubt they would actually spend any time on this. You know they should probably make the cards actually just work first. <laughs> and then you know make the user interface nice and stuff like that. So I cannot see them doing this. Uh, next question from KC Metronome. Old timer getting back in. Play mats baffle me. Why use one? And why should my first one be Scoops as a dragon? Because Scoops is awesome. Um, I think it. You know, you had you said that earlier in the cast, Richard. And I think it applies here too. That it, it is a really. It's a not just for like I guess protecting your cards from you know various tabletops, but it's it's almost like expressing yourself in a way. And and for me. I mean, playmats have honestly. I mean, I've I've talked to and met players and have formed friendships over a playmat. I mean, it's almost like a conversation piece sometimes. Yeah, for me, the biggest reason is not protection. Like, I guess if you play in like a bar or something, it's like useful. But most of the time, if you play at your LGS, their tables are clean. It's the ease of picking up cards. 
Uh, if you play with like cards on a hard table, it's actually very hard to pick up the cards. But with a playmat, uh, since the playmat can be pushed down, it's very easy to pick up cards. And I know a lot of people have expressed that too. So usually the actual practical reason for a playmat is to pick up cards. I don't have strong feelings, but I like the scoops are. I think the dragon is my, my favorite scoops token art. So you should get that one if you're going to get one. One more minor point. I, I like that the mat also kind of dictates where my kind of play area is i kind of like you know being organized like that oh you don't you don't like it when people all <laughs> aggro and they like go to attacks and like put all their cards on your play bat <laughs> just like it's I mean, the red zone it's, there right? for. it's the red zone just like nobody. that's what it's there for but i mean i don't i don't mind that but yeah it, it, it just definitely cleans up the play area i think too and as you're winning you slowly press your cards forward to uh, <laughs> show it to your opponent <laughs> uh the next question from the Demco, I think Commander 2018 will have other generals in each deck so other tribes can be played or can be made with deck lists. I'm very confused. Uh, Commander 2017? Oh, uh, wait, are they saying no, like... No, the following one. Oh. Wait, they might continue the theme uh, in this set in the next set too. Oh. So they keep doing tribal theme for 2018 wait, as well. Wait, so well, are they, they saying they insert... there'll be like an off-tribe legendary yes. creature in your deck so that you can make right. more decks? Like you, well, there'll be di it'll be a different theme, but they'll they'll insert like a, a legendary creature that may be an off, you know, an off-tribe commander. Yeah, they usually do that. They usually give you some options for changing your deck around by yep. like switching your commander or whatever. So I can totally see that happening. And didn't we already get, like, a cat dragon in the dragon deck and a yep. cat deck? So you can kind of, like... So I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that type of crossover where you can kind of, like, use one of the legends to mash two decks together, sort of, of the 2017 versions. Yep. Uh, next question from Rag3249. What is the most powerful of your favorite two-card combos legal and standard right now? Oh, man. I think uh, Torrential Gearhole can commit to memory is still a really good two-card combo. Paradoxical Outcome and Aetherflux Reservoir? Maybe? I don't know. That's not, like, <laughs> really a two-card combo, because you got to bounce, like, ten artifacts to make it work. Uh, yeah. I can't think of any just two-card game-winning combos right now. Uh, Aetherworks Marvel Emrakuls? Nope. <laughs> Etherworks, Marvel, <laughs> Ulamog, nope. <laughs> Felidar Guardian and Sahelirai, nope. A lot of them have been yeah. banned. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Wizards is fond of two-card combos. So uh, my, my best combo is probably the new mono-red combo of the two deserts. That's some sweet synergy. Five damage <laughs> yeah, on two awesome. lands. That I is pretty awesome. I still really like that. But I guess that's just synergy. That's not really a combo. I yeah. think... Speaking of combos, someone top 16 one of the tournaments this week playing Ronas's Last Stand into Always Watching. And it's like the opposite of a combo. Because Always Watching only pumps non-tokens. Oh, uh, so. that's a great combo right there. Yeah, so that's, that's the worst even, combo. That shows the strength of the deck. The they don't even need this interaction to win. It's just like so how good as a matter. I wonder how they paid for the Always Watching on turn three. That was definitely interesting. I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from Paradoxical Data. What card from our has your favorite art? Mine is Wildfire Eternal. My foil copy is absolutely beautiful. Ooh. Uh, who even remembers <laughs> most of the art on ours? Does this include invocations? Uh, sure. Why not? 
I think the Thoughtseize looks really awesome. I also think Crested Sun Mirror looks pretty sweet. I'm going to go with Dark Horse Choice. Endless Sands, I think, is pretty sweet. Oh, the, yeah, like, sun cool. rising over the desert. The card's not great, but the art I really like. And Noah Bradley art, by the way. Yes. Uh, I, like, awesome. I like Opposition. Opposition is like uh, Opposition was a cool one. Bunch of people getting swarmed by locusts. Could have liked the Avatar of Woe, but <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, next question from Abhinavajane87. What do you think the best time to sell Eldritch Moon cards like Collected Brutality? Have an extra play set I got cheap. That is certainly one I would keep uh, because I don't think that card will be uh, decreasing drastically. Might decrease a little bit, but it, it's a it's a bona fide staple in modern, and uh, it's just one of those cards that. I just don't think we'll take a hit and we'll continue to increase. Yeah, I agree. It's not even really played in standard. No. At least not, not significantly. So I think it's already at its current price because of modern. So I'm not too worried about it going down. But other cards from this set, you should sell now. If they're standard uh, cards that are propped up by standard, you should have already sold them, but sell them as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, other than that, just 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 general like EDH uh, staples, maybe even Grim Flare, I might hold on to just because it does see some play in modern, but that probably still has room to go down uh, to decrease as well. So, but definitely hold on to Collective Brutality. Next question from Does It Resolve? How playable is Solemnity as a sideboard card against decks like Green Black Energy, Teamer Energy, and Blue Red Control? Uh, it's very good. I think yeah. it's I think it's worth playing in sideboards of white decks if green black and teamer energy are the top tier of the format. I want it in my sideboard. Absolutely. Um it, it does really take the wind out of the sails of a lot of the threats in the decks. Uh, more particularly um the bristling hydra, which can be really hard to deal with um otherwise. If they have no energy, it's just a you know, it's it's still a decent creature, but uh, nowhere near the threat it is with energy. All right, next question from Kan Chenman. How do you feel about Depala in competitive EDH? Turn two Smuggler's Copter seems sweet, uh, plus Leave to Chance and Saram. This is a you question, Richard. I, 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 I mean, I think it's a good card. I just never really tried it. What do you? Th- I, you, I mean, I, I really like Depala in a dwarf deck, oh, okay. but like a casual dwarf deck, I, I don't see how. This can go up against. If you're talking about, like, say, the one v one moto meta game, I don't think it's fast enough. I don't think Tapala does enough. Uh, but in a just a regular dwarf deck, uh, a casual dwarf deck, uh, I think she's super awesome. Next question from BD eight eight zero two. Sounds like many stores are not opening Hour of Devastation. Will this make our cards that spike in the future standard spike even harder? Short answer: Yes. And maybe even the invocations as well that are that might be sought after because I mean that's still less chances to get the invocations, and just all the way down the line. I mean, if if cards are played, uh, you can expect uh, a larger increase in cards. Not only and just because they'll be in demand and not a lot has been opened, but because the EV is already uh, pretty low as it is. So um, if not a lot of folks are opening or stores are opening this product, yeah, you can expect that. Yep, I agree. All right, last question from at Crush NJ. Switching from green white Tron to Eldrazi Tron, should I wait on Chalice of the Void in case of iconic Masters slash uh, 25 Masters reprint? 
Yeah, um, that is that has crept up a lot. Um, ooh, I, I don't know. I mean, again, iconic can mean a lot of things, but I don't even like a loose interpretation of iconic. I don't know if Chalice of the Void fits in there, but then who knows about the 25 Masters reprint? That could be a good spot for it. Uh, yeah, I think the wait-and-see approach uh, before going in on, on this card is probably a good idea because it is it is pretty expensive, and with a reprint, uh, I do expect the card to decrease pretty drastically. Uh, I think it depends on how bad you want to play and how often you will play the deck because I think... It is a really important piece of Eldrazi Tron. True, true. So, so maybe stick with normal Tron until after the you see what's in those sets. I think there is some percent chance that it gets reprinted because those sets are going to need value. And I think that right now uh, it's one of the highest value cards in modern, I believe. Uh, Chalice of the Void is super expensive. Yeah. So, so I think there's an outside chance that they print it just for that reason. So... I don't know. Bear it in mind, if you really want to play Eldrazi Tron right now and play, like, GPs and stuff, you probably have to just bite the bullet and hope for the best. The other option is to try to get the Masterpiece edition? Like, what do you think of that, Jazz? Getting the Masterpieces as a way to hedge against a reprinting. Yes, I do like that. I do like that a lot, actually. Um, yeah. I'd say that's a, that's a good way to reprint-proof yourself, because while it, it might drop it a couple points um that's the invocations and the the well the masterpiece series entirely is kind of it's in its own uh air like kind of bubble um so yeah that's actually a really good idea and it it, right it it, what's that said if you're playing this deck week in and week out then i do think um grabbing it regardless is probably um good value because you're just playing the deck uh constantly all right that's all of our fish meal for this week uh thanks everyone for sending them in Awesome. Well, uh, any any last uh, thoughts out the door? All right. Um, great week, gentlemen. Great podcast, everyone. That's going to wrap it up for this week. This is the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you all next time.